0: Welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm assistant sports editor Mark Faulkner, joined by our beat reporter, Ted Colfin. Coming up, we'll hear from University of Michigan forward Kent Johnson. He's 18 years old, a top 10 prospect for the 2021 NHL draft and a possible draft choice of the Red Wings. The Wings right now with the sixth worst record in the NHL. And Johnson is ranked right about that spot. But first, Ted. Just two more games in the regular season, Friday and Saturday in Columbus. And if I told you at the beginning of the season that the Wings might finish ahead of Columbus, that defensively, as you noted in your story yesterday at DetroitNews.com, that they would move up to 20th place in goals against, and that they would win one more game than last year in 17 fewer games, that probably would have exceeded your expectations, right? Right.
1: Oh, I mean, I don't know, about you mark. But kind of, we I think we both kind of suspected they would be an improved team this year, mm-hmm. and they have been. I mean, they have been. I mean, obviously they'll. They've actually. It's maybe a little, just a bit disappointing. They haven't reached the twenty mark as far as victories, or in the low twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, the div, obviously defensively, they've been. I don't want to say significantly improved, but they've been very much improved. I mean. The stats bear it out, but brother, they still cannot score goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> still ranked last in the league last year, ranked last this season. Somehow or other until they get that area fixed. I mean, it's going to be t- lean, tough times, but I think in all, there probably are what we suspected they would be as we mm-hmm. Ram- would say uh, that they are what they are. I mean, I, I I think I I look. I don't want to advise anybody to look at my predictions. Most of them have been pretty horrid at the start of the the season. But I did have the Wings finishing ahead of Chicago. So Chicago has proven me very much wrong. But at least right now, they are above one team. They're above Columbus. And so I, I think they kind of maybe matched expectations to a certain point. But. But tell you what, Mark, until they fix the offense.
0: Right, right.
1: We're not going to see too much dramatic improvement from their roster in the long haul.
0: Let's hear now from Jeff Blaschel, one of seven NHL coaches without a contract for next season. We'll find out Blaschel's future a week or so after the season wraps up on Saturday. But until then, here's what he had to say about laying the foundation of winning hockey.
1: Well, I think most importantly, all I've tried to continue to focus on is, is us
2: improving as a hockey team, is us improving as individuals and trying to uh, lay a foundation here of winning hockey. And um, so that, uh, that that we can have days or seasons uh, that are better than today. And, and to do that, you got to lay the foundation of, of being a winning hockey team. And that's really what I focus the most on.
0: Ted, what do you think is going to happen with Jeff Blaschel? We've talked about it on the podcast this year. He said the team is better than last year, defensively, yes, you just mentioned the offense when they score three goals or more. Ted they're fourteen and two. What do you think Steve Eisman will do though with with blaschel?
1: my friend, it's the million dollar question and mm-hmm. I have people around the league, and they have absolutely no gut feeling about this uh could probably make a mil- million pros or cons to bringing him back or
3: mm-hmm.
1: bringing him back. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, obviously, the def- defensively, this team took a significant step forward. Uh, some young players began to flourish or are flourishing. Some did not. Some took a minor step back or whatnot. It's going to be a close call, I think, either way. Uh, I mean, if you put me next to a burning stake, <laughs> <laughs> make a prediction. I'd say fifty-two forty-eight that he does come yes. back. I think, but obviously, I would not be at all surprised. You can make a lot of a lot of valid reasons for not bringing him back. Just get a fresh start going. So it's. And by the way, I you know what, Mark? I think we'll know by Monday afternoon. By Tuesday lunchtime at the latest i think okay there will be i'm fairly certain there will be a quick resolution to this very quick and like i said i think push comes to shove i think he does come back i think he's proven he can you know he still hasn't really worked with a great roster at all here the last several years but he did get a lot of i thought for the most part he got very much out of this one Young players are flourishing. There's more young players on the way. He seems to work well with young players. I say he's coming back, but again, he just desp- yeah. wouldn't <laughs> be shocked, obviously, I've, otherwise either.
0: Okay, it's time now for our interview segment with one of Michigan's top rated players for the 2021 draft. Here's Kent Johnson. Joining us now is Michigan Wolverines forward Kent Johnson, one of the top 10 prospects for the NHL draft in July and a possible Detroit Red Wing with the first of Steve Eiserman's two first-round draft picks. Kent, welcome to the podcast. You're talking to us today from your family's home in Port Moody, British Columbia, which is just outside of Vancouver. What was it like crossing the border to BC from Ann Arbor? Uh, Vancouver was one of North America's hotspots for that new COVID variant, and it shut down the Vancouver Canucks for nearly three weeks. Are you done your quarantine, and what are your plans leading up to the 2021 NHL draft?
2: Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me on, Mark. And uh, yeah, obviously, a little tricky there crossing the borders right now, but uh, I had my 14-day quarantine, and I'm thankfully done that. So I've been out for a bit over a week now, uh, which has been good to get back uh, to my kind of regular routine and get training. But uh, yeah, it's uh, just nice to be home now for sure, and I'm just going to enjoy it.
0: And what will your routine look like Kent over the next few months? Is it hard to tell right now you're home, you're out of the quarantine, but what are your thoughts about the next two months now that the hockey season is over?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, basically wherever I am, I'll just uh, be working out in the gym and, uh, trying to get a little stronger, a little faster. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, you know, try to skate. I really enjoy being on the ice uh, in the off season too. So I'll try to skate as much as I can. And, uh, Uh, Yeah, that's about it. And then hang out with the family and friends, obviously.
0: Good stuff. You know, Kent, before you came to Ann Arbor here for your freshman season, you played two years of BC Junior Hockey with the Trail Smoke Eaters about seven hours or so away from Port Moody in Vancouver. The Trail Smoke Eaters are a famous team in Canada. They won two world championships, as you know, way back in 1939 and 1961. And for Red Wing fans, Kent, Trail was the home of coach Bobby Crom, who led Detroit to a 37 point improvement in 1978 and he won the Jack Adams coach of the year award. What does trail mean to you? And how did those two years prepare you for university hockey?
2: Yeah, no, I love playing in trail and I feel, uh, as yeah, like the town shaped me a bit and, uh, mm-hmm. just so lucky I got to play there. It's such, I mean, you know, the hockey history you just said it and such an awesome hockey town. We had such good fans and, uh, Obviously, you know, great coaching staff there. So it was so much fun to play there for two years, and it really uh, got me ready for college hockey.
0: What was the uh, travel like? Was the BCHL similar to, like, the OHL and the CHL where you were billeted? Did your parents make the trip? Uh, You know, your brothers at Yale, did did Kyle make it? What was it like playing in trail for those two years?
2: Yeah, I was in a billet house, and they were really good to me there. So it was a pretty easy transition. Then – you know, my mm-hmm. parents would come visit every once in a while, which is nice. Um, nice that it was, you know, close enough that they could do that. And, uh, yeah, so it was just uh, – it was pretty – I mean, travel away games. We were, we were pretty far from other teams, so I got used to being on the bus. But, uh, you know, I kind of learned to love it. So, uh, yeah, it was all good.
0: Kent, one person who helped with your transition to Ann Arbor was former NHLer Jeff Tambellini, the coach for those two years in trail and now a pro scout with the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Tambolini played three years here at the University of Michigan, as you know, from 2002, to 2005. He won a couple of conference titles. He was a first-round pick by the LA Kings. He scored 27 goals in 242 career games with those Kings, Islanders, and Canucks. And By the way, he was signed by Steve Eiserman in 2015 to play for Tampa Bay's minor league team in Syracuse. And he's now helping and recruiting free agents for Tampa Bay GM, Julian Breezeball. What was it like when Jeff Tambellini recruited you Kent and what role did he play in your development on and off the ice?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was uh, kind of a no brainer when Jeff was talking to me about coming to trail and you know, I already, I really clicked with him right away and I could tell that uh, sure. you know, he had my best needs in hand and uh, yeah, he was going to do everything he could to help me uh, become the player I, uh, that I want to be. So uh yeah, it was an awesome two years there. He taught me so much and uh yeah, it was really just uh perfect to me.
0: What were some of the highlights moving on with your freshman season here in Ann Arbor? You went from leading the BCHL Kent with 101 points to finishing second in team scoring here with 26 points. You were on that top line with Matt Beniers and on the power play with Owen Power, two other top 10 NHL prospects you didn't get a chance to win the NCAA title because of the team's last minute positive COVID results but overall what do you remember most about year one
2: uh yeah just said it was so much fun uh, getting to play every night with the boys and uh and put on the Michigan Michigan jersey uh it's such a special jersey and such a special rank to play and obviously you know I hear it's even way better with fans but uh it was mm-hmm. still so much fun to play for Michigan and And the team, and the guys we uh, had—it was so much fun to play with them. So, just remember all the games. uh, You know, maybe the wins a bit more so, but uh, yeah, so many fun games.
0: You know, you mentioned playing in historic Yost Arena, Kent. You've been in Yale's historic arena where your older brother Kyle plays. I've been in that Yale Whale Rink with its humpback design and wood paneling. It's an architectural marvel uh, built in the 1950s. Yost here was built. Back in 1923, but it was a field house. And in 1973, they switched it to a hockey rink. And now there's been another 50 years of hockey. So I'm wondering what it's like, what it has been like, opening those doors, stepping onto the ice. I know a lot of the older players in the team probably will tell you what it's like with a packed Yost Arena. And maybe that will happen in your second season, but what what has it been like playing in this historic arena?
2: Uh, yeah, I think it was definitely like eye opening. Like the first uh, first week I got there, it was just like, geez, like all I wanted to do was be on the ice, you know, in that <laughs> rink. Like, it was just, just so cool. Like you know, like, especially in the afternoon, it, there was sun. Obviously, it was late August, so uh, the natural light coming in, like there, there's really nothing like it. So, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of knew that I was in a special place right away, and uh, you know, didn't want to take it for granted, and uh, yeah, I mean that's the dream really to play in a Pacquiao. So hopefully that can uh, we can live that out this year.
0: And tell us a bit about your uh, brother and uh, and what it's been like as far as his experience uh, at Yale, uh, one of the Ivy League schools. I believe he received some uh, sort of scholarship as well through the province, probably through BC. Uh, could you tell us a bit about uh, playing hockey or or your um, what it's been like with your watching your brother play?
2: Yeah, for sure. I've been so lucky to have an older brother uh, going through these experiences before me. You know, like I got to watch him play in the BCHL for three years and okay uh, really made me understand the league more and then, you know, him switching to college too and um, you know, I had the inside scoop on uh on the NCAA recruiting process and all that stuff. So um yeah, it's just been awesome to have him and he's been uh, such a great role model for me. So um just really lucky to have him.
0: Kent, your uh, Michigan coach, Mel Pearson, said he's never quite had a freshman class like this in his 40 years of coaching. What was Coach Pearson like as you made the transition to wing from center where you played in trail? He, he said you did a better job of knowing when to make a simpler, more direct play. And you also wound up on Sports Center for that highlight reel goal against Minnesota. But was it easy to find that balance playing on the wing?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think... Uh... You know, like, maybe a little bit on the wall, like, first couple of games, uh, I wasn't, I like, as comfortable. But then after that, like, it's pretty much uh, not too hard to transition once you get that little a little detail figured out. So, um, yeah, just that mostly, you know, I made it easier uh, playing with great teammates I had. So, uh, yeah, you know, like, I played a, a little bit of wing when I was younger, and I think I can always transition from both, either or. So, uh, it doesn't really matter too much to me.
0: How good is Big Ten hockey, Kent? You came from a league where you dominated and was named one of Canada's best players, and you came to one of the uh, bigger schools in the United States. But I'm just wondering, how big of a jump has it been? Was it this first year? Your your team was was a strong team in the Big Ten. But uh, if your hockey friends were asking you, as you observed your brother playing in the BCHL, what what was that jump like for you?
2: Yeah, no, definitely it's uh it's faster and stronger, and I think the big thing's more structured. And you know, like some of my friends asked about it, and sure, you know, especially that one weekend that sticks out is uh we we kind of killed Minnesota, Minnesota, uh, Michigan State the first night like eight nothing, and then the next night we ended up losing a tight one like three two, and the guys like, how does that happen? I'm like, it's it's a good league, like that's really it. Like you know, obviously we had them the first night, but you know they play a structured defensive game, and it. It's not that easy to just pile on the goals every night. So, yeah, definitely no matter who you're playing, you know, it's going to be a battle every night. So uh, that's mm-hmm. what makes the hockey so fun.
0: Kent, I talked to Owen Power earlier this year about not being allowed to attend the Canadian junior camp because of school concerns. He would have missed nearly two months of school. You and Owen watched that gold medal game, he said, between Canada and the U.S. with Matt Beneers, cam york and brendan brisson winning the gold medal with a 2 nothing win now owen said he would love to play for canada if he's invited again for the 2022 worlds in edmonton how about you if covid is under control and if there's a normal two-week camp and if you're invited and allowed to attend would you like to have a chance to represent canada
2: yeah i mean that's something i've desired uh for a long time so yeah it's that's what I'd want to be. That's where I want to be next Christmas. I think, uh, Mm -hmm. that would, uh, that would definitely be something, you know, pretty special to to play for my country and, you know, play with my friend Owen, obviously. And I think, yeah, we, we really want to do that together. And uh, I think it was pretty motivating, like watching together and watching them lose a gold medal game, just being like, yeah, like, you know, next year we can help them out and, Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully hopefully, uh, do what you know. we saw our friends do for USA, which I know they had a blast doing.
0: And there's so many other steps, of course. But yes, so that would be something that is possible uh, if there's a shorter camp. There's no COVID, nothing major. That makes sense. Just a couple last questions, Kent, about the draft. First, what surprised you the most playing alongside matt benears and owen power matt played two years here with the national team development program before coming to michigan and owen played two years with the chicago steel of the united states hockey league in bob mckenzie's draft ranking all 10 of the 10 scouts said owen is the number one player benears number four luke hughes who was on our podcast earlier and who is going to michigan next year he'll join you there he's number five you were number eight on Bob McKenzie's draft list and one scout had you second overall. There's just 10 scouts there, but how about your teammates, Beneers and Power? Could you tell us a bit about what it was like? You've met them for the first time. You've made friendships with a lot of your teammates, but what stands out about those players when you're on the ice with them, especially Beneers, your center?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Beneers, uh, you know, I could kind of notice it pretty quickly that, uh, you know, he just doesn't really seem to get tired, like most other guys, you know, <laughs> motor's pretty crazy, and, uh, you know, helps make him a special player, and I think, you know, just how he plays all over the ice, you know, he's always moving, and, uh, you know, can get get plays really good in transition, getting you out of the D zone, so, um, yeah, I just love playing with him, and love building chemistry with him throughout the year, and then, Owen, like, right away, I noticed it, uh, you know, it's just, it's just really cool to watch, honestly, like, how big he is, and then, yeah, the fact that he's not just that big, but he's got like all the skills that you know, like some smaller guys would have. Like he can stick handle really well, and his skating and his edge work is uh it's really really fun to watch. Really, and uh, and then his hockey mind obviously is great. So, uh, yeah, you know, like playing with those two guys, it was just so much fun, and uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm really happy for them and the success they're having. Can't wait to you know see where they end up uh, here too at the draft.
0: And you know, Kent, you must really be looking forward to to year two. Uh, back on campus and and playing in at, at Yost Arena, as we were mentioning earlier, with Power and and veneers. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about how things went with Coach Pearson and the things – we talked about the transition to the new position, but what are your thoughts about the improvements that you're, you're thinking about? You said you're at about 170 pounds now, and you'll come back. Of course, you'll have some time to get ready for year two. What are your thoughts about Coach Pearson – and uh perhaps your role in in year two
2: yeah you know coach has been great to me and uh you know after the season obviously talked about uh you know just uh some plans for me in the offseason you know and we're on the same page like we uh we both think you know just get a little bit faster for me a bit more explosive and Mm -hmm. and uh, obviously you know a little bit stronger so uh yeah i know we're on the same page we want to both want me to to be the best player i can for the team next year so uh yeah, it's always good to, you know, be on the same page with your coach like that.
0: And finally, Kent, what about the possibility of being drafted by the Red Wings, who have the seventh worst record in the NHL today, and could be drafting right around where you might be available? I asked Luke Hughes about being drafted by the Red Wings. He said it would be awesome. He said Detroit's been his home since ninth grade. He lives in Canton, And while playing for US hockey, he's had the chance he'll be going to the University of Michigan next year. He also said any of the thirty two teams would be great, but what if Detroit drafts you? What would that mean to you, Kent?
2: Yeah, you know, it'd be really special. I mean, I know, you know, when I was growing up, Detroit was just this powerhouse that made the playoffs like, I don't know how many straight years, like twenty something, I think. Mm -hmm. And you know, like Datsuk was one of my favorite players and uh, they were just such a fun team to to follow and had such a rich history and I know that that, you know, like everyone just wants them to get back to, to those kind of days. And I know uh, how much the team means to this city. And, uh, yeah, obviously, that, you know, that's the type of market that you want to play in. So, obviously, you know, any team, like, like, like Luke said, is great. But uh, Detroit yeah. would, be, would be definitely a great team to go to as well.
0: Yeah, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? 25 straight years they, they made the playoffs. 25 straight years. There are some teams like Buffalo that will miss the playoffs this year for 10 straight Detroit's at five the longest they've ever gone without making the playoffs at seven so oh just quickly were the Vancouver Canucks growing up in Port Moody where was was that your team as well so Datsuk and the Wings were were winning and but did you have were the Canucks one of your favorite teams did you get a chance to see them you and your brother Kyle
2: yeah no we watched a lot of games so the Canucks were definitely our favorite team it wasn't like I don't want to get the record wrong that I was really rooting <laughs> for Detroit at the time uh You know, I did love Datsuk, and I know one year, like, they were close to not making the playoffs, and I was definitely rooting for them to make the playoffs, but uh, yeah, Canucks were my team, so uh, they were definitely the ones I was rooting
0: for. Kent, thanks for your time today, talking about your hockey background in BC, what you're doing now in Ann Arbor, and what you would like to accomplish moving forward. All the best at the NHL draft, Kent. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark our thanks to Kent Johnson. And now let's hear from Joe Valeno, drafted 30th overall with the first of those Thomas Tatar draft picks. He's a two-way, 200-foot player who has put up offensive numbers in the past, scoreless in four games. Here he is talking to you, Ted, about his NHL debut in Columbus last week. Hey, Joe, is it?
1: were there any nerves at all, or did you feel kind of natural just skating onto the ice here tonight and or did you ever look across the ice? And it's like, oh wow, that's Seth Jones or Patrick Laney over there. How did it feel that way?
4: Yeah, obviously, it's it's um, you know quite surprising. Obviously, um, knowing that you're playing on the same stage as those guys, uh, you know they're they're in uh, you know they they're superstars in the league, and you know for me to be out there on the ice with them, it's it's pretty special and um, kind of uh, um, you know shocking to me. But, uh, you know, I kind of tell myself, you know, I'm here now and, um, you know, this is what it's going to be. If I want to play in the NHL, you know, you're going to have to go up against the best of the best. And, um, you know, I, hopefully that's going to be me one day, um, you know, someone else saying that, but um, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was quite special to kind of step out the ice and, um, you know, go for, go for a skate and warm up and, you know, kind of feel the butterflies a little bit and, and the nerves going through, but um, they're exciting nerves and it's, it's a, Obviously, a great feeling uh, stepping on the ice for, uh, for an NHL game.
1: You couldn't tell on TV, but did, did they give you the lap? I mean, did you go out there for a lap all by yourself or not? No, no no lap here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. All right, thank you.
0: Ted, what do you think about Joe Valeno's game, and where do you see him slotting into either Jeff Blaschel's team next year or maybe another coach who might try and open things up a little bit? What do you make of his four games so far?
1: That's such a small sample size, Mark, but I was
0: yeah.
1: impressed. I think he definitely improved over last time I saw him in one of the training camps or whatnot. I think he's – got looks like he's gotten stronger on his skates, physically stronger, uh, very accountable defensively. He's played very well defensively, uh, had some good scoring opportunities. So, yeah, at this point, Mark, I'd be surprised mm-hmm. if he's not one of the – top 12 forwards going into next season. I think he's progressed nicely in the in, in the minors and this year in Sweden. And he looks like he's played some pro hockey, obviously. So I, th- I think there's definitely a future for this young man. He's, pl- he's looked good and um, good two-way center. I think that's what everybody look- is looking for these days. I think he's a very accountable, safe two-way center. A player coaches can trust in.
0: Ted, you also talked to uh, Jonathan Bernier after Sunday's 2-1 loss against the uh, Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Bernier made 40 saves, and he continued the hot goaltending of light. Thomas Grice had back-to-back shutouts and was named Player of the Week. But here's Bernier talking about this rather unusual COVID-delayed season.
1: It's been a strange season all the way around, but it feels kind of weird having. I mean, last home game already, and you know, not too many people in the arena. I mean, did it feel anything different? Do you think or what? To be
3: honest, the whole year felt uh, surreal almost, and uh, just didn't feel right. And um, you know, mentally and physically, was was a very hard year uh, for everyone and for every every player in the NHL. And um, you know, I can't believe it's already. Uh, we got two more games left, but. Hopefully by uh, September we can we we can start on time and we can uh, have fans for sure. That's uh, it, it's not as fun, you know. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It's uh, you know you obviously you're playing for your teammates for your for your uh, for your jersey for your city, but having fans just brings that extra energy sometimes that you you need and um, you know we need them in a building.
1: John, the last one. What was the toughest part about this season?
3: Uh, Physically, was obviously playing a lot of games in a short period of time. Um, That was really hard. And mentally, it was just, you know, getting tested every day, no days off, you know, even on days off, you had to still come to the ring and get tested. So it just felt like every day you were, it was just a grind mentally, you know, on on that, that point. And, um, you know, and obviously not winning a lot of games. That's, that's, uh, that's probably the toughest
1: point. Really couldn't get away from the game then. I mean, if you're coming, I mean, every day you were, you know, coming to their rink and stuff. I mean, there wasn't much of a mental break, I would think, then.
3: No, exactly. There's not, not much. And, but at the same time, everyone's doing it. And, uh, you know, even on the road, you know, you got to stay in, in the hotel. You can't really leave. And uh, we just had to follow the rules that the NHL uh, gave us. And, um, but everything, uh, every team did that. So there's no
1: excuses. Good stuff. Thanks, Mr. Jonathan. Thank you.
0: Ted, what do you make of Jonathan Bernier's comments? No excuses, he says. Every team had to handle the COVID situation. How do you think the Red Wings handled things?
1: My big question, do we know for sure there's going to be an excessive amount, full amount of fans in the arenas? I I don't get that impression that Mm -hmm. every arena – is going to open up. I mean, it seems like there's still some markets where obviously in Canada, they're still way behind. It seems like, I mean, they're still ways off. Um, I don't know. You do wonder. And boy, there's another thing, Mark, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you talk about short off seasons. I mean, we're talking what the Stanley cup finals, probably playing into mid mid July from what I gather. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, they're going to be that's going to be a quick turnaround because they are projecting to start training camp in mid-september so those stanley cup finalists are only going to get two months off and boom you're going into a training camp and then hopefully an 82 game season with an olympics that's a lot of hockey in a short period of time and uh I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. I think everybody's looking for that normalcy for sure. Boy, people, the fans, you did miss the fans this season. You mm-hmm. really did. Just different type of almost eerie atmosphere in the arena. We'll see. Uh, hopefully it will be a normal, more normal type of season. I don't think anybody it didn't sound like the players. They enjoyed playing hockey. Obviously it's, that's their lifeblood. I mean, it's, what they put, you know, the page the that's what they get paid for, and it's their careers. But I don't think it was an easy season mentally for sure. I mean, especially on the road, because it seemed like they were trapped in those hotel rooms more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, you know, there were quite a few hiccups along the way games being re- not, not as much for the Red Wings, but rescheduled games, canceled games, postponed games. It was a quirky season, but. Thank goodness we all got through it. Um, And it was good to have hockey back for sure, obviously.
0: And that'll do it for today's podcast, episode 52. For more Red Wings coverage, you can check out Ted stories at DetroitNews.com. And you can also find us on our Octopols Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram stories, and Snapchat. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk again next week.